Um, yes, last Sunday, uh, Ruth and I were sat having a cup of coffee, and uh, I suddenly went, oh, I think I'm meant to be speaking this morning, and I haven't prepared a thing. <laughs> Fortunately, it was this week, but uh, it was one of those moments. She said, what would you do? I'd just, I'd, I'd just tell the truth. I'd just say, I've got nothing, nothing to share. Um, as you know, we're in a, a season of looking at the big story, and we're looking at uh, the big story of the Bible, the Scripture, God's big story, His own story, and then different characters, their stories, and where, where we find that we intermingle with their stories, and where our story becomes relevant. And you remember a month ago, I shared a little bit about our story and some of the things we've journeyed with. Um, I'm related it to a little bit of Moses. I'm not relating myself to Moses. I'm not saying I am a Moses, but I, you know, we walk and we can identify with some of the steps that people take in the Bible and we can go, yeah, I'm walking through a bit of a wilderness time or um, a, you know, a season of plenty and abundance and prosperity. I think we can all have those different seasons. Um, I'm going to look at Paul this morning, uh, not my son Paul. Um, just to say Paul is doing really well. He um, uh, passed the Marines course um, which got, and so has been accepted to join the Royal Marines. When I shared that last week, um, a couple of people thought it was Paul MacDonald and so congratulated him <laughs> on that. And, uh, uh, but actually, it's my, my son, Paul, has, has done that. So this morning, I'm not talking about Paul MacDonald or my son, Paul, but uh, Paul. Now, um, uh, I did wonder whether to include Oscar Oscar decided to include him. So I did wonder whether I'd do the same as uh, Becky did last week and get everybody to join in and uh, about uh, what they know about <laughs> about Paul rather than Becky did Mary. And I thought that would be the end of the morning, wouldn't it, really? Because there's so much to share. We'll go on to the next slide, please, Liz. I... I'm not as confident with the clicker. On, um. So um, Paul's one of my favorite characters. Uh, I suppose when I really encountered God in my teens, I um, began to read lots. And, and I probably preferred Paul's writings to, to anything else in my early years as I discovered what faith was, what I discovered what um, living the Christian life was, um, Paul is accredited with about, um, well, 13 of the books of the New Testament. There are 27 uh, books. And so he's, he's written an awful lot of the New Testament, um, either by his own hand or he dictated them. Um, there are, he, he probably has some of the most contentious writings, things that people disagree with today and are even dividing over today certain parts of scripture where people can't agree um, I'm not going to look at those um, by his own admission uh, 
He was a Pharisee of the highest order. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He understood the laws. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he understood the culture as well, the language, um, in a way that we don't understand. So his writings are full of insights into um, the culture of the day and how the Old Testament fits with the New Testament. I think that's one of the biggest things. He, even, he calls himself an apostle to the Gentiles. It's ironic, really, when you think about it, how he grew up. But that his heart, God changed his heart to be for the Gentiles, to go preach the gospel throughout the whole world. Um, I'm just going to read a, a little passage from 1 Corinthians. Um, oh, I can't. I haven't put the. Uh, I won't because I haven't put the chapter and I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, but it, in it, it lists all his sufferings. And if you read his sufferings, they're quite incredible. We don't get stoned. Today, well, not in that kind of way, um, um, but he was in stripes. It says five times he was uh, on the um, on the seas in terrible peril. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. He was flogged, and he was stoned. None of us have had that. What chapter is that, Henry? Yeah, that's right. Thank you. 2 Corinthians 11, and those are the verses. And, and you just, you can see that this man was sold out for God. I've, you know, I've not been punched for the gospel. I've been spat on a few times. Ruth and I were in Spain in the middle of Madrid with Rodney and Sonia, and we were right in the middle of a, um, quite a seedy area, and people were throwing bottles, which never hit us but they were spitting from the balcony. And so we were doing stuff with spit hitting our heads and stuff like that. I've been spat on at school. by, um, But I've never been beaten, uh, never been imprisoned um, or, or anything. But Paul had received that um, a, a number of times. And it, it somehow seemed to strengthen him. Uh, my... Um, one of my first visits to Uganda, um, and we have some churches linked with Salt and Light called the Deliverance Churches there, and I met a young man um, uh, called Edward, who now leads the Deliverance Church movement over there, and he was imprisoned under Armin and was waiting to be executed, and the way they executed them was put a tire around them and set fire to the tire. It was called necklacing. That's what they used to do. And he was waiting for this general to come from this particular place to come and, and uh, do these and authorize these killings. The general that night um, was killed on the road in a car accident. So his life was saved but, and spared. And he's now leading the church in Uganda, uh, which I only found out actually this week. And I 
you know, there was something about him and those that I have encountered, particularly in the African countries who have suffered and what it's brought them. Um, there is something about them that suffering produces that, you know, is really difficult to explain, but they carry something of God in the midst of it. And I think people who struggle and, and work through and go through uh, suffering in this country, um, in some ways it's, it's different, although there is, there is suffering. Um, I want to read Paul's encounter with Jesus. It's, it's in Acts 8. Paul, Paul says he uh, has sees Jesus himself. You'll read it um, in 1 Corinthians 15, 8. He's very clear about the fact that he meets Jesus. We first meet him, Saul, as Stephen is martyred in chapter 7 and, um, and chapter 8. He stands there consenting. And those that throw stones at Stephen and kill him, they lay their robes at Saul's feet. But we pick up the story in chapter 9. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him uh, to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any of who were of the way, that's who the Christians began to call themselves, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? So the Lord said, Arise, go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. And the men journeyed with him, who journeyed with him, stood speechless, hearing a voice and seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was there three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. What I find amazing about this is that Paul understood the scriptures and felt comfortable murdering and imprisoning. He did it with integrity. He absolutely believed that he was doing the right thing and that he was believing the right thing. Just because we do things out of integrity and just because we think we're following the scripture doesn't mean we're right. His understanding, his eyes were still pretty blind at that moment. And we, do you know, we have to be really careful about becoming dogmatic in our own understanding, current understanding of Scripture because we might be wrong. 
I, I quoted something from Thomas Merton a month ago, and, and I've been reflecting on it, who said, <laughs> if we don't look at ourselves now, who we are, and, uh, and look at ourselves from five years ago, and that person who was five years ago doesn't look at us and go, you're a heretic, then we're not growing. I didn't explain that very brilliantly. I understand. But if other, in other words, if the person who was us five years ago doesn't look at us now and think you're a heretic, then we're not spiritually growing. What I'm saying is revelation is progressive. And as we live in God, we, we begin to understand more and go, why the blazes did I believe that and walk in that? There are some things that I <laughs> believed years ago that I just, I cringe now. And I think I said a month ago, I've had to apologize to my children. And it's pained me and it still pains me. So I just, I want us to be careful about becoming dogmatic. And, and I'm going to move on. There's two things. I, I haven't got a lot of time this morning, but there are two key thing, themes that I want to help us in um, from Paul's writings. His encounter with Jesus is important because we all need our own encounter with Jesus. I remember mine like it was yesterday. I'd, I'd been brought up in a Christian home. I'd sat at the back <laughs> laughing and messing about. And uh, at some of the stuff that went on church, I was embarrassed. Um, I didn't really want people to know that I went to church or that my family were Christians. Um, until I encountered Jesus myself. The, the thing is, I, I might have sat at the back and not really um, taken much in, but I always knew there were people around who had something that I wanted. As much as I wrestled myself, I always looked and go, I knew God was real. Somehow, in the midst of it, I knew God was real, and I was after God myself. And uh, at, at 14 years old, I got, for me, radically changed. And um, things, things happened in my life. Things got taken away. Sin, certain aspects of, uh, you, you know, my sinful nature just disappeared like overnight. I realized I just stopped swearing. It's part of the culture at school to swear all the time, to use certain words as adjectives, um, and, and God changed me overnight. I, I have no propensity to swear now. It's not even, you know, if I hit my thumb, I don't even think of swearing. It just, I just go, ouch, that really hurt. It's, it's true. And, uh, you, you know, if you do, I'm not trying to condemn you. You, you know, um, just don't do it near me. <laughs> just kidding. Um, and, and I've realized for my family, they've needed their own encounter with Jesus. They can't live off my encounters. However, I can help them and show them. And we're going to come on to that. That's really important. So I've got, in 15 minutes, I want to share with you there's so much you could, you could pick on for Paul. 
and his story. But there are two aspects in his story that I think are are really important for us today. Um, Next slide, please. Um, Freedom and fatherhood. Um, I'm going to focus first on freedom. I talked to you when I was talking about Moses, about um, Moses kind of two halves. In fact, he had probably a thirds in his life, 40 years, 40 years, and 40 years. You can look at um, uh, Paul, and there were almost two halves to his life. It's thought that he was about two years younger than Jesus. Um, So I, I don't know how old he was. Um, when he had his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, let's let's say he was in his fifties. Don't know, really. Um, but for fifty years, let's say it was forty years, just for fun, he was living a certain way. He understood the scriptures. He understood how it was to live a godly life. And it all changed. And he realized the first half of his life was wasted. How he'd lived his life. In one sense, it, actually it wasn't wasted. He learned an awful lot. But um, maybe I'll read this to you. I don't know whether I read this to you last time, but... I want to read this. No Pope, Bible quote, psychological technique, religious formula, book or guru can do your journey for you. If you try to skip the first journey, you will never see its real necessity, and also its limitations. You will never know why this first container must fail you. The wonderful fullness of the second half of the journey and the relationship between the two. Such is the unreality of many people who never grow up who, or who remain narcissistic into their old age. I'm afraid this is not a small number of people in our world today. What Richard Rohr is saying in his book, Falling Upward, is that we all have to do the first journey part, the first half of our life where we, where we learn patterns of how to live. We're trained, we're taught. Even in church circles, we're taught how to live. I was. You know, the importance of reading your Bible and praying. Boy, how bad I feel when I don't do that. When somebody says, you need to pray more, you will go, yep, yep, we do. And then you look at your own life and your prayer life doesn't match up to what you're telling everybody you should do. Or reading your Bible. (laughs) We all know we should read our Bible. But then, we don't really do it. Or do we do it? But we know, or we think we know, that deep down it's really important. 
And we may achieve a pattern of that for a season, then fail miserably for the next season. And then we go on beating ourselves up. And we realize the first container of our life is not really working. Hmm. Paul realized this. His, his journey, and we sang about it, was for freedom. Freedom from religiosity that he saw and can see in our hearts even today. He said it was for freedom Christ set you free. In Galatians chapter 3, he said, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You started in the spirit but now are in the flesh. What do I what it, what was he talking about? See Paul write, wrote in Romans, Romans chapter six and chapter seven, probably one of the most contentious or fought over parts of scripture, where in Romans seven he says, The things that you want to do, you end up not doing. And the things that you don't want to do, you end up doing. And, and this is what I think. That is that, and Anthony, I, I know this. That we as Christians use that scripture to go, yeah, I'm like Paul. I can identify with that. I'm absolutely like Paul. Do you know what? That's Paul's first half of life. That's before his real encounter with Jesus. Because at the end of chapter 7, he recognizes that that whole part of life, he says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? And right at the end of chapter 7, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ that he has set me free from that pattern, that container of life. He absolutely wants us to be free. Now, if you're in a pattern and you're looking at that chapter in the Bible and you're going, I can't get free. I keep doing the stuff I don't want to do. It's because you need a savior and you haven't understood the freedom that Christ has brought you into. And may I say this? I'd like to be really challenging. You're being really religious. And you're looking at yourself and going, I need to read the Bible more and pray and then I'll be better. In Titus 3, Paul writes, it's not by works of righteousness that you're saved. It's not by reading the Bible and praying. Otherwise, there's no need for Jesus. It's only through Jesus. It's only through Jesus. You cannot earn your way to freedom. Jesus gives it to you 100%. And if you are struggling today, you've just got to come to Jesus. And Paul says, look, Galatians 1.20, he says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer me that living, but Christ lives in me. 
The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Not his own worked up faith. Jesus' faith in him for freedom. Can't work it up. Reading your Bible will not increase your faith. Relationship with Jesus. Friendship with God. And when, when you do that, of course you'll read the Bible more. Because you just want to get to know him. You want to know what God's like. Read John. He says, look at Jesus. Find out more about Jesus. You'll find out more about me. It's freedom. <laughs> Friendship. Freedom. And we beat ourselves up. I had a season last year. I really struggled to read the Bible. It took me all my energy to read a psalm. All my energy to read a psalm. And then to pray. Took all my energy just to sit there and say, God, help me. Help me. If I measured myself, you know. But I know that's real freedom. Friendship with God. I've got five minutes on the second one. Freedom. It's really important. You read it. Go read about Paul. He just wants us to be free and to understand the enormity of what Jesus did. So that we don't have to live by the law anymore. He understood it more than anybody. Freedom. I want to talk about fatherhood. 1 Corinthians 4.15. He says... um, For though you might have tens of thousands of instructors in Christ, you do not have many fathers. In Christ I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ and as I teach everywhere in the church. Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, But I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I will know, and I will know, not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a a rod, or in love, and a spirit of gentleness? And um, I suppose as I look on at uh, the world... And our society particularly, I think, one of the things missing is fatherhood. And um, Paul understood what fatherhood was like. If you read in Acts um, 9, is his encounter with Jesus. But then you read Acts 12 and 13. And you see that 
Well, as you read his story, you see that Barnabas took him under his wing, was his advocate, taught him, and he grew. And then when Paul was released in Acts 13 at Antioch, he, he always took young men with him. You see, at Paul, and he took Silas, John Mark, Timothy, um, and, and others. He understood what it was to let people see his life and have people live with him um, and spend their life with him. And I, when you look at that passage, we, we have access to huge amounts of Christian teaching. In one sense, he says you've got thousands of teachers to them. We've got more, more now. You can go on the internet and be taught on your pet subject however much you would like from various different. We've got access to huge amounts of teaching. And yet we're called to be fathers. And in that, I want to include motherhood. That's what I... Our job, like Paul, he said, you know, and even there he said, I've sent Timothy to you. He knows my ways. Watch him. Hear him. He said, even that passage, he's saying, imitate me. Imitate me. Copy me. Copy my ways. Look at me. You know, we're on show, aren't we, as Christians, you know, as fathers to our family. And boy, when you start seeing some of the mess that you've created as a father, you realize how much of a savior you need. And, you know, we're watched. Watched at work. You know, I know I'm a father in my workplace. And I'm being watched. They watch how I interact. They watch my integrity. They watch what I do. We are called to be fathers. Our job is to father this city. It is. Our job is to father. Not just to teach them. To show them. And we do it, as Paul said, do you want me to come with a rod? Or do you want me to come gentle? I've learned that Father is really gentle. You know, as a, as a father myself, at times I was really gentle, at times I was pretty harsh. And you know, and those are some of the things that pain me. And um, I know he wants us to be really gentle. So that when we, when we have people, we're really gentle with them. We're not judgmental and harsh with them. That our hearts are full of gentleness like Father. Fathers impart... They don't just tell. If 
Fathers allow their kids. I, I love with my grandchildren just to let them sit on my shoulders. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Our job is to help them. They should sit on our shoulders. We should help them see things that they won't see where they are. That's our job. But we do that gently. You know, being a grandfather now, being a papa, just has taught me more about fathering than I ever realized it would do. And I'm loving it. So those are those two areas that I think are really important for us as the kids come back. Freedom. Freedom from the law. Freedom from rules and regulations about how we live. That I think Paul was trying to tell us all the way through his writings. You don't have to do this. It's what Jesus is for. I think it's one of the biggest challenges in the Christian world. And fatherhood. I think there's a call for us to step up into the role God has for us in this city, in this nation, in this world, to imitate him. Let people see what we're like. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that in the big story, you wanted us to live completely free. Right at the start, in Genesis, you wanted us to be free, to enjoy the fullness of life and creation. Thank you for that. (laughs) Thank you that you wanted us to father creation and look after it and tend it and see it become fruitful. Thank you that that call still remains today. And Lord, we want your help in that. We know we need your help to be, to be fathers, true fathers, true mothers in our city and in this church family. Help us to do that. And where we haven't, Lord, where you've just shown us that we haven't lived free, we just, we want to release that to you now. Why don't you just allow God, the Holy Spirit, to minister to you? And release it to him.
tonight. And Holy Spirit, we just want to receive from you the faith to live free and a faith to be fathers and mothers in our communities. Amen. Okay, thank you, Sim. Let's just thank Sim, shall we? It was good.